0: before we turn to the word Lord we we, we thank you that you've been with us in a very real way in our time of worship things weren't arranged as we maybe anticipated or hope but your Holy Spirit was with us and we, we give you glory that we've known your presence this evening and you've blessed us as we turn to your word now Lord we pray in a similar way that you'd be with us that you'd be Showing us your truths from your word. That you'd be challenging us from your word. That you'd be building us up from your word, Lord. And that in in this way, too, we can meet with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in 2 Kings chapter 5. I want to read you a story that is perhaps familiar to you. Um, and And I want to... To consider some of the characters in this story. It's a time when Naaman, a commander in the Syrian army, was healed of leprosy. Amen. Let's just read the story to, to, to start off with. So I'm gonna read, it's quite it's quite a long, a long passage, but I'm actually gonna read all of chapter five. Okay? Amen. So Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that that my lord were with the prophet who is who is in samaria he would cure he would cure him of his leprosy so naaman went went in and told his lord thus and so spoke the girl from the land of israel and the king of syria said go now and i will send a letter to the king of israel so he went taking with with him 10 talents of silver 6000 she- shekels of gold and 10 Changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent, sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read this letter, he tore his, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man, send, man sends word, word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking to quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the, sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in, in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash Washing the Jordan seven times, and your flesh and your and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I I thought that he, he would surely come out and come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not a barner and Farpah, far the rivers of Damascus? Better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not, not wash in them and be clean? So he turned, he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said, said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He has actually said to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please, please let there be given to your servant two mule, mule loads of earth. For from now on your servant will not offer a burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Rimon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the, in the house of Rimon, When I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He he said to him, go in peace. But when Naaman had gone a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman the Syrian in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi follows Naaman. And when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And, and he said, All is well. My master has sent me to say, There is just now come, come to me from the hill country in Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, Be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied him up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid, laid them on two of his servants, and they carried before they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to to, to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in his house and sent them anywhere, the men away, and they departed. He went and he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, "Where have you been, Gehazi?" And he said to him, "Your servant went nowhere." But he said to him, did not my heart go when the the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore the the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper like snow. Very powerful story. Very powerful story of involving several different people, but God acting in a mighty way in curing this leprosy. First of all, there's the faith of the servant girl who tells Naaman's wife that there's a prophet that can heal him. Secondly, there's Naaman himself who... It's a bit this way and that way whether he's actually going to do what God God has said he he needs to do to be healed. But he receives his healing in the end and says he's going to worship God. There's the king of Israel who is struck with fear and panic at this request that is brought to him. There's the prophet himself who knows exactly what to do, because he's been hearing from God. And then there is his deceitful servant Gehazi, who sees it as a way of making a quick book. Several different characters there, with several different actions in this whole story. And I want to, to briefly consider each of those characters and the way that they they reacted. Because this is a story of of God working a great miracle, but using men and women in different ways in this situation. It's not a story of just sitting by. It's a story of God using men and women to bring healing. The first person he uses is this servant girl. This servant girl who was being captured and taken away as a slave. She was was an Israelite, but she was taken to Syria, and she was a slave. Now, we don't know how she was treated. She might have been treated very well. But nevertheless, she was a slave. She was in a situation of adversity, but nevertheless, her faith, rose above the adversity. Her faith shone forth. She saw Naaman, her master, as being full of leprosy, and actually her heart went out to him. Her heart went out to him. That's what, that's what happened. She was moved to see that he had suffered of this condition of leprosy. Her heart went out to him, and she spoke out in faith. That she knew somebody who could heal him of this this leprosy, and and there's a tremendous certainty in the faith, isn't it? Isn't there? She said, "You know, if only, you know, if only you were there in Israel and could see the the man of God, he would cure you." Yes. There's no doubt about it. There's a tremendous certainty in the faith. It's not. It might help a bit, or I don't know, but it's worth a go. He would cure you. And that, that, that was it. There was a great faith there. You know, we can respond to adversity in many different ways, can't we? We can respond with despair. This servant girl could, could have been, been in despair. I've been taken from my family. I've been taken from my home. I'm never going to see my home again. Oh, woe is me. She could have responded in despair. She could have responded in resignation. That, well, this is the way it is. This is what God has got for me. This is my lot. It's befallen on me. There's nothing I can do about it. That's the way it is. But instead, faith rose up within her. And she realised that God had a purpose in this. There was a purpose to this and she had to speak out. Because she'd been placed there for that time and that particular reason. And she rose up in faith and she spoke out. She wasn't blaming God for the adversity and saying, God, you've brought this upon me. But rather she was saying, out of this adversity... Do your will, Lord. Let good be brought out of this adversity. And she was open to what God wanted to to do. The Bible says, doesn't it, that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And sometimes we go through tough things and we wonder why and what's happening. Well, God wants to turn around those, those tough things tough things. He he doesn't want to bring bad on us. He wants to bring nothing but good on us. He wants to turn around those bad situations and bring his good out of them. And this servant girl here was open to the good that God could bring out of a bad situation. Not not even for her saying, get me out of this situation, but to bring a blessing to somebody else in that situation. What, What a you know, what a servant of God she was, that, and, uh, that God could use her in such a way, because she was open, but she had to be open to be used, you know, God wants to use you and me, He wants you to use you and me in whatever situation we find ourselves, whether it be a tough time we're going through, an easy time we're going through, whatever, It wants to use us, He's, is able to work in those situations that we find ourselves to bring blessing, to bring good. Not for for good for ourselves, but if we will allow him to use us to bring blessing and to bring good to others through the things that we say and the things that we, we, we do. We too can be like that servant girl, bringing the word of God into situations. The second person I'd like to briefly consider is the the king of Israel. The message was sent out, right? The the girl had had said that the prophet can heal you. So the message was sent to the king with with great presence, great pomp and circumstance. I've sent my servant, here's the gifts, now then heal him. And the king was no way ready for that. It was no way up for the task. It sent him into panic. He, you know, the the, the Syrian king had conquered his, his kingdom. It was, it was like a, a a puppet king almost. You know, he'd run run his kingdom to ruin, and he just thought he's there. He's doing it to bring me even more trouble upon me. He's doing it to bring even more even more trouble upon me. What on earth can I do? I can't do anything about this. You know, we, we too can get into that situation, can't we? Where we feel that the situation is too much for us. That we can't cope. That we're in panic because we don't know what to do. That we seem to have gone down a, you know, a dead end and we, we've shoved back into a, into a, into a corner. The one thing that the king of Israel certainly wasn't doing is that he wasn't looking to God, was he? It was looking at his own power. It was looking at his own strength. But he wasn't looking to God. And that's what we need to do in the situations that we find ourselves in. We don't need to panic. We don't need to fear. We don't need thank you very much that's, that's great thank you we, we don't we don't need to worry but we hand the situation over over to God and we say you, you know we, we ask God to move in that situation because he is able let the faith arise that says in, in difficult circumstances he is able he can provide the answer he can make he can make a he can make a, a way his attitude is, con- is, is contrasted totally to the attitude of Elisha. The Elisha is all too willing to take on the problem. You know, he could have, he could have, said, he could have said, well, oh, this is a bit of a tough one, but actually it's nothing to do with me. You, you sort it out. You know, He'd gone to the king, he hadn't gone to Elisha. But Elisha wanted the problem because he wanted to see God glorified in it. He knew that that God was in this and that God was going to do something. So he's he's, he's saying, bring it on. Bring Naaman to me. Bring Naaman to me and I'll show you that there's a prophet in Israel. I'll show you that God is still in control. I'll show you that, that... that God is the, is the only true God and he works, he works miracles because he knew he'd been seeking God, he knew the will of God, he knew what God wanted to do and he, and he, when Naaman came, he told him exactly what he needed to do to receive his healing. Amen. Let's be like Elijah, that we're in that place of faith whereby we can welcome the challenges because we know that God is going to work something in those challenges. Amen. That we welcome the challenges that other people bring because we know it's an opportunity for God to work, for God to move, for God to be, to, to be glorified. We, we want to see people coming in here who are sick and ill, but going out, David, whole and healed and complete. Yeah? Yeah? We want to see people coming in here who are down and depressed and don't know which to, way to turn, but going out full of the joy of the Lord. We don't want to reject them because their problems might be too hard or too difficult to cope with. Because we we have got the God of Elisha who is able to do all things far above than we can possibly even ask or imagine. The next character I want to consider is Naaman himself. I find him a very interesting character. First of all, when told of the prophet by the servant girl, he is more than willing to take that journey to Israel. He sees it as a hope for his leprosy to be cured then I don't know what sort of faith he had there. I don't know whether he thought, well, I've tried everything else, I might as well give this a go. Or he thought, or perhaps he had a, a real faith, he, he, something stirred inside him. He thought, he thought maybe this is it, this is my opportunity. I don't know. But whatever he Whatever he thought, he had enough faith to actually go and do something about it. He didn't dismiss it out of hand. He went to the king and asked permission. He took it very seriously. You know, and that's what faith is all about. It's actually about, faith is is not how positively we believe. It's actually about doing something about it, isn't it? and making that step. Have you enough faith to actually do something? You may say you're full of faith, but it's no faith at all if you don't actually do anything. You may say, well, I'm I'm actually full of doubt, and I'm not so sure whether this is going to happen or this is right, but if you actually take that step, that is putting that faith into action. And Naaman Naaman did that. He put that faith into action and he went and he saw Elisha. But Elisha gave, gave him some very specific instructions and he didn't like them. He said, Go into the Jordan, bathe seven times, and you will be healed. And and pride got in with Naaman. He didn't like that. He said, aren't the rivers in Damascus a lot better than that? Why do I have to go and bathe in this mucky Jordan? This this river of foreigners. Why can't I go home and do it? And pride got in and he went away angry. He almost lost the healing that was available to him. because Because of pride. And you know... So often we can let things get in, in the way, can't we? And we can, we can miss out on God's blessing that he's got for us because we let pride get in the way. Or we have an argument with somebody and fall out with somebody and we, we, we take our bat and ball home. And we say, well, if that's your attitude, I'm, I'm not doing that. That's it. I've had enough. Um, uh, you know, and, and I'm off. And little petty things. And this was a little petty thing. It was about which, which lump of water he was going to get wet in. <laughs> little petty things so, so often can cause so much discord and disharmony and falling out. And we mustn't let it be. We need to be united. We need to be together. We need to be working for one another. And not let any pride or silly fallout or or anything get in the way. But you know, the good thing about this story is that he changed his mind. His servants had a little word with him. And you know... Friends that get, get alongside you and can have a little word with you at times are so precious, aren't they? Yep. Li- listen to them. Listen to people like that, that's, that come alongside you and say, yeah, but, you know, let's just think about this a bit. This is what we need to do to each other, don't we? Yeah. That, we that we need to, in love... Just tell one another and encourage one another and, uh, and redirect one another from time to time. Well, his servants did that. They. They, they, they say, you know, they said, it's a great word he's brought you. <laughs> you know, he, he's told you, wash and be clean. Why don't you just do it? And he swallowed his pride and he did it There's and that. it was clean. You know, the, the, the other thing I thought of here was. Isn't God gracious? Isn't God gracious? He gave him a second chance. He gave him a second chance. You know, Elisha could have turned around to him and said, right, that's it. If you're not going to bother doing that, that's it. Don't want to know now. Had it, you know, too late. But he didn't. He bore with him, he was patient with him. He allowed him to have his rant and rage and storm off and throw his toys out of the cot. And he gave him a chance to, to come round and to, to think about it. And the, the healing was still there, available for him, when he was ready to do what he'd been asked to do in, in the first place. You know, God is a God of second chances. He doesn't, he doesn't say, right, that's it. You know, you haven't done what I asked the first time. That's it now. Too, too late. And, and, and I, really, I really believe, you know, as I'm preparing this, that that applied to some people tonight, that, that God wants you to know that you haven't messed it up. You haven't blown it. It isn't too late, but go back to those things that I've been challenging you on and pick them up again because it's not too late. I still want to use you in those. I still want to bless you in those. Take them up again. And And I believe that's a word of... From from God for some people some people here to here tonight because He's a God of second chances. You know, I, I think of the the parable that Jesus told about the, the two sons. The father asked him to go them to go in the field. One, one said, No, I'm not going. But later on he changed his mind and went. The other said, Yes, of course I'll do it. But he never went, and Jesus asks the question: Which son is the one that, you know, that did the will of the Father, that the Father was pleased in? He might not have got had the right attitude in the first place, but he did. But he did go out and do it, Amen. and God, God's saying, you know, it's he, not too late. My blessing is still there for you. Just turn and do the things I've, I've asked you. I've asked you to do. Is a god of second chances. But, and I think this is also important, he was Elisha wasn't compromising. He didn't say, Oh, well, maybe we can talk about this, this, this a bit. You know, maybe it doesn't have to be the Jordan. You know, we can perhaps work something out. We'll we'll you know, We'll talk about it and we'll compromise. Elijah, Elijah said, You know, that's what God says. That's what it's got to be. It's the Jordan. You know, it was Naaman that had to change, not Elijah. Elijah had the word of the Lord, and it was the word of the Lord. And God isn't going to have his arm twisted behind his back, no matter how much we pray. He's not, you know, He's not going to change because of, because of us. It's His will and we need to do it in His way. Amen. Now, and I, and I, again, I believe this is really important because there is a, when God says this is the way it needs to be done and it's this way and it's not any other way, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for it. It isn't just God being awkward and insisting on his own way. There's a reason. I remember in Birmingham, when we we lived in Birmingham, we um, had this friend and she was challenged to buy some shoes... Lord spoke to her and she was challenged to buy some shoes for the daughter of another single mum in the church. And she sort of argued with God about it and decided to buy her a little present instead. Because the shoes were were sort of quite a, a big deal. And but she got no peace about it. And it was still coming back to her. No, you need to buy some shoes. And so she eventually she went she, she went to her and said, "I want you to come shopping with me, and we'll buy you, your daughter some new shoes." And the mum burst into tears. She said, "You know, I'm so desperately short of money, and my daughter so desperately needs some new shoes. They're about three sizes too too small for her. I've just been." Wondering where I'm going to get any money for some new shoes. God had challenged her and it was specific. But there was a reason for it. And, you know, when God speaks to us, we, we want to argue with God. We want to compromise with him. We want to say, no, well, let's just try it this way. But God knows what he's talking about. He, he, he's saying, no, we're doing it this way. But there's a reason there. And I believe there's a reason here in this story as well. And I believe that the the reason is found pretty much straight after that. Because the story goes on and Naaman, after he's been healed, Naaman says, you know, here I've got all these gifts for you. And Elijah refuses them. And he says, well, So Naaman then says, well, can I take some earth so that I can, I can give my offerings to the Lord and not to any other God because I'm serving the Lord from now on. So there's been a tremendous change, not only in Naaman's physical appearance, but spiritually there's been a tremendous change with him as well. And he says, but... And this is a very strange thing. He says, but... When we go to the temple of, let me get this right, Rimmon. please forgive me that I bow the knee in the temple of Rimmon when I'm with, with the king. And Elisha says, go in peace. He says, yes, okay, that's fine. And you wouldn't really expect that, would you? You'd, you know, you'd have expected, you know, it doesn't fit in. Withstanding on your faith, does it? And you know, it doesn't fit in with stories like Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego who refused to bow the knee and were thrown into the fiery furnace. It doesn't fit in with Daniel who carried on praying and was thrown into the lion's den. It doesn't fit in with the words of Jesus. He says, if you're not for me, you're against me. Or it doesn't fit in with the disciples in the early church that said we cannot stop speaking about Jesus no matter how much you threaten us. We've got to speak of his name. But Elisha says it's okay. I believe that Elisha knew where he was in his faith. That perhaps at that time Asking him to do that was going to be a step too far for him. It was going to be too much for him. And he would go back. You know, Jesus says of him... that There's a prophecy about Jesus in in Isaiah that says, a smouldering wick he will not extinguish. Even the tiniest of flames, he'll fan into flame. And Jesus... Doesn't load things on us that we can't cope with. He doesn't load things on us that we can't cope with. And and Naaman was in this position whereby he knew who was God, and he knew it wasn't it wasn't Rimmon. Rimmon had never done anything like that for him. He knew that, but yet he wasn't perhaps in that place where he could it could make that stand against the, against the king. But getting back to what we are saying about the, that it had to be in the Jordan, you know, I wonder if Elisha said, okay, go back to Syria and do it, that that might have been something that Naaman would have slipped back with. He might have started saying, well, actually, was it the Lord that did it or was it Rimon here in the rivers of Damascus? You know, he, his, he was ver- his faith was still very new. And I think Elijah said, no, it's got to be in the Jordan because you've got to know that it was the God of Israel that did this. Yes. You've got, you're going to back into a tough situation whereby everybody else is an idol worshipper. I don't want you slipping back into that idol worship. You do it here in the Jordan that you know it was the God of Israel that did this and not any idol back back in Syria. And we need to be firm in our faith, don't we? God, we what we need to grow in our faith. God isn't gonna, God isn't going to give us things that we that we can't cope with. That we can't cope with. There are too much, there are too much for us. But we need to be established in our faith that we know. That where we are today is because of the Lord. It's because of the Lord Jesus and his work on the cross. And it's not because of anything else. God may have used other people, other situations to bring us tremendous blessing. But ultimately it comes down to him and it doesn't come down to any other reason at all. We need to be in the Jordan, and we're not in foreign rivers. You know, I believe also that the king of Syria was perhaps open to God. Because Naaman went to him and said, there's a prophet of the Lord in Israel, and he can heal me of my leprosy. The king of Syria didn't say, don't be stupid, Rimen's the only God. He said, go, and I'll send you letters of commendation as well. The king of Syria was open to the Lord. But maybe at this time, it wasn't the right time for Naaman to be coming back and shouting it and saying, stop worshipping these foreign gods. The Lord is the only God. Maybe the time wasn't just then. We need to be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. You know, what I'm saying a lot of is perhaps my own conjecture into the situation. But it isn't always the time to go in, all guns blazing, banging the doors down. We need the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit to move in the right way at the right time. The last person I'd like to consider, and fairly briefly, because the time is almost gone, is Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, perhaps a, a person that would we expect to be very close to God, but yet his main consideration seems to be how to make some money out of the situation. And he's a bit upset that Elisha doesn't accept this money. And again, I think that was the reason for that was that Elisha wanted, to, wanted Naaman to know it was God that did this. It was God that did this. So that he could be established in his faith. But Gehazi's is after the money. So he goes after him. And he tells a load of porcupines. He tells complete lies to him. About what has happened. So that he can get some money out of him. But God reveals this to Elisha as well doesn't he? That this is what has happened. Elisha, he can't hide it from Elisha. He he tries to, but Elisha knows because God revealed to him. And the leprosy is transferred to to Gehazi. Now let's let's not get this, let's not make a mistake here. Let's not get this wrong. God did not punish, I don't believe God punished Gehazi by making him a leper. I don't think that was, that's what wasn't. You, it wasn't about Gehazi. Brought it on himself mm. by his own dishonesty. Yes. He allowed the devil in, yes. and the devil inflicted. If, if anybody, the devil inflicted him with the leprosy yes. because he allowed Satan in right. through his wrongdoing. God, God is there to bless us and to do us good. But if we do foolish things, we, we've got to bear the consequences. There will be consequences. And this was a, not a punishment from God. It was just a direct consequence of his action. We were to, you're talking about spiritual warfare here. And there were things going on in the heavenlies. And there was a battle in the heavenlies to take that leprosy away. When Gehazi asks like this, the leprosy is transferred to him because of his own actions. And we, we, we need to be, if we are going to move in the things of God, if we're going to move in spiritual warfare, if we're going to move in spiritual things, if we're going to bring spiritual ministry to people, we need to be aware. You know, the Bible says that what you, what you sow, you also reap. We need to be open and honest before God. Now, I'm not saying we can't or we won't make any mistakes. But we need to have a right heart attitude before God. <laughs> that if we if we're going to move in these things powerfully God will honor our heart attitude a lot more than any particular skills we have or anything else he'll honor our heart attitude and we will see good things good things happen but if we've got the wrong heart attitude we're actually opening ourselves to The devil getting in and getting a foothold in and doing his work instead of seeing God's work be done. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's just stand, please.